Unfound is brought to you by the generous listeners at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with our gracious advertisers. On this episode, I ponder why murders are getting solved at a lower rate. I agonize over the return of Carol Baskin. I talk about the rise of drug addiction. And I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including my recent visit to the doctor. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for January 23rd, 2023. Okay, I'm ready to do all of this uh, for the next couple hours. Are all of you ready to listen and chat and uh, answer questions that I might have about who knows what we're going to talk about tonight? Are you ready to ask me questions? Are you ready to do this unfound live show for January 23rd, 2023? Are you ready? Just like that ACDC song, by the way. I think I'm ready. I'm been, I've uh, been preparing for this all day. And uh, got a spectacular outline prepared for all of you. A lot of things I want to talk about. In fact, may not get to all of it tonight. But I think you know by now I like to come to this microphone over-prepared. Always want to have more material than is needed material than is needed, then less material than is needed, because that means then I have to start tap dancing and everything else. Before I get started tonight, I want to remind everybody to give this video a thumbs up. If you're not yet a subscriber, uh, Unfound is, is finding new people all the time. So maybe you want to uh, subscribe, hit the little button in the bottom right-hand corner. And if you'd like to support the podcast and everything we do here, hit the join button below. If you are watching on some type of phone, do not be surprised if you do not see a join button down there. You will have to go to a, what we might call a real computer. Am I showing my age by saying that? Um, A real computer to join and in a small way, financially support what we do here, and you get some extra stuff by doing that. And if anybody's wondering about this, if you could see those little, uh, everybody who is chatting in green, those are all supporters of the Unfound podcast channel. And I want to remind you that we went over 15,000 uh, 15, subscribers uh, at the toward the end of 2022, which is pretty incredible given that this is actually a podcast and not technically a YouTube show. So I'm doing good. Uh, maybe you could tell it in my voice, uh, feeling real good, and we'll get to some of those things here uh, about that and other things here in a moment. I just want to acknowledge everybody who is has gotten in here 
bright and early or maybe dark and early being that it's night here on the East Coast. Valerie, what's going on with you? Everything 23 she I think it's a she. Everything changed it to everything 23. I love it. That is awesome. Everything. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Good for you. Everything. We've been talking about that for a while, right? When are you going to change that? You know, it's uh, everything 2020. You're going to change that? Or is that something you want to stick with? I guess you decided it was time for a change. Good for you. Uh, Nephew Charles, what's going on? Rock on, Charles. Rock on. Karen and Mark in Indy and Suzanne and Jasmine and Mona. How are you with the pink wave? How are you? Kathy, good to see you. The real come to us from Australia. She's part of the um, think tank on patreon.com. Hello, Christy. Moderator Sheree, what's going on? Charlie Bravo, good to see you. Fairy uh, Magic coming uh, in tonight. Good to see you. Everything 23, 2023 says just for you, Ed, it was time. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm hoping that I didn't guilt you into that everything. Uh, hopefully you came to that uh, on your own terms. Um, and, uh, of, of course, enjoyed here for the year of 2023. No, I, I reminded you. Okay, I didn't uh, guilt you into it. I reminded you. Okay, good. All right, you're welcome. Uh, today is January 23rd, 2023. Got a lot of twos going in there. Some sort of uh, synchronicity. January 23rd, 2023. Something going on there. As for me, what has gone on since we all got together last I um, think I practiced a little disc golf uh, one or two days last week. Uh, but I do have a two-round tournament coming up this Saturday. Who knows how the heck I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to be playing over at the U.S. Suff course. This is, a, this is a disc golf course that is actually on the property of the University of South Florida. And I have not played that course since maybe 2015, maybe 2014. So, and I'm not going to drive over there to practice it because it's a little bit of a drive. So I'm just going to show up cold turkey. And uh, if I've been, if I play like I've been playing lately, I'm not expecting anything uh, too good, but it's really not. Uh, a big concern in my life uh, right at this moment. Just going to go over there and play and just work on my game. And I'll just have to be happy with that. Hello, Annette. I uh, haven't seen your name, uh, I don't think, in the chat before. Annette, um, welcome to the live show. Welcome. So that's what's going on with disc golf. And of course, the big thing probably going on with me in disc golf right now is the the pro season is about to get kick-started again. So I have my subscription to the Disc Golf Network, and I can watch the tournaments live right on my smart TV. So that's probably going to be something that's going to come back into my life very soon. Uh, really not much has gone on in that since maybe November. That's probably uh, the last time I watched the Disc Golf Network because 
December into January is kind of the offseason, although tournaments still happen and pros still playing some. Uh, the really, really big tournaments that make it onto the Disc Golf Network, um, you know, they, they take a pause for a couple months, but uh, it'll be firing up here uh, very shortly. So I will have to manage that within all of the work I do and uh, maybe some other things that I watch. I uh, will have to take a back seat or I will not be watching them at all. So that's what's going on in my uh, disc golf life. Uh, I have not been yet to the club here for 2023. Could have gone on Sunday morning, but just a little too cool and a little too windy for me. I know I'm so particular, but I hope to get over there. Will I play on Saturday? Maybe then show up there on Sunday. Maybe I will do that. We'll just have to see. And of course, a couple Sundays already this uh, this year, I've gone and shot the guns on Sunday mornings instead of going over there because I have this membership and I got to use it for the gun club. Moving on, um, I have to show you these. Uh, my um, brother, Michael, I got his Christmas present from him a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I showed it these to you. I, I did a little show and tell a couple weeks ago on the live show just to show you some of the things and cards and everything that I got for Christmas. But I got these a little late, but I got a pair of slippers from him and they are very nice. So I have two pairs of slippers now. Ones that, you know, you just slide your feet into, which are very nice. And then these ones uh, that are more like regular shoes. And uh, both of them are, are spectacular. Um, I have to tell you, I really don't even have a preference. They are both different uh, types of slippers, uh, but I like them both, which maybe is a little weird. I will tell you, usually uh, I walk around my place in my bare feet, but one of the issues is that I like to keep this uh, in here so quote-unquote cold and so even during you know during the summer of course i'm running the air conditioning but i like to make it really really chilly in here it's when i uh feel most comfortable but the issue is with this floor which is made of stone i've talked about this floor it's the only thing i don't like about this condo this floor is impossible to clean because it's this flat rock and there are these creases in between and unless you actually have like an a leaf blower, it's hard to get it absolutely, absolutely everything off of it. Anyway, but this this floor can get very cold uh, when you start running the air conditioning. Uh, the air might be fine, but this, the floor feels like it's like 20 degrees colder. And so sometimes it'll even get to the point where my bottoms of my feet will be aching from walking on the floor. So I've decided, you know, Ed, you really don't have to put yourself through that. It, it's okay to wear slippers even though you live in Florida. It's it's okay. So that's what I think I'm going to do this year instead of toughing it out with uh, the bare feet, even though I love to walk around in my bare feet. I really, really enjoy that. Uh, it's something, but when you're – this floor is so cold – that, like I said, sometimes walking on it will actually make the bottom of my feet ache. And then I'll go outside where it's warm 
and kind of warm them up and then come back inside. I've actually done that. It's so weird. But my brother Michael got these these slippers, and I am loving them. Moving on, uh, once again, something going on uh, with me. Uh, this is my personal stuff to get this all out of the way before we get into some unfound items and then international or national news crime stuff. And then, as usual, uh, if you don't know, I always finish this live show with talking about this Friday's episode. I'll tell you about that. I don't have a title for it yet, but the interview's already been done, so I can at least give you the generalities of this coming Friday's disappearance. I'll probably decide on a title and a theme and some other disappearances that are kind of like it tomorrow Tomorrow, when, when I start writing the episode. But my dad sent me a package. And I got it today. It's so weird. That's so weird. Uh, hello, Deborah. What's going on? Good to see you. Uh, Deborah, of course, in green is a supporter of this channel. Thank you for contributing uh, every month on YouTube. Thank you, Deborah. And if anybody would like to contribute during the live show tonight, you can hit that um super chat button right down there in the rectangle with a little dollar sign in the middle uh you should be able to see that on any sort of device that you're using but my dad sent me the pack this package it had some beef jerky in it had some crackers in it but then he sent me like straws and he sent me a a pair of gloves not like winter gloves but more like work gloves or gloves that you might use like out in the yard or something not that I have to do that here, but he sent me a, a pair of gloves. He sent me uh, some like rice packets. Um, it was just a very eclectic package. <laughs> and he and I actually talked about it today. Um, and I was joking around with him on that, you know, back in the day, Hello, Lisa. What's going on? Good to see you. Um, my mother uh, used to send me these packages, and, and she was really, really good at it. She would, It would may, mostly be all food, or should I say candy. And she would maybe send me one once, one every other month, or even after she started getting sick in, sick in 2016, uh, she would send me these packages and she would be spectacular. My dad would take her to like to the dollar store and she'd get me um, like Twizzlers and milk duds and, and a lot of different things and put it in this, in, in this uh, cardboard, you know, box and said to me, and some of these were like heavy, just really, really packed tight. And so that's kind of what my dad did, except it was um, like I said, there was a lot of, things you don't expect uh in a package like that and he did also send me a, a new slippery rock university long sleeve shirt uh that's where my dad went to college way back in the day and i i think maybe you remember my dad and i I've, when i've been up there i've gone to some football games when i've been up there at the right time and I watch those games online when they're, you know, between September and November. And my dad and I will talk about them because my dad goes to many of the games. So we have something to talk about. So he sent me a new uh, Slippery Rock University shirt. That's probably the first one I've gotten in a while. 
And he sent me a Slippery Rock hat uh, a couple months ago, too, um, before I went up to see him. So I wear items from my dad's alma mater, but you will never see me wearing anything from my own college alma mater for all sorts of different reasons. So he sent me that package, and uh, so that was fun. He told me it was coming, and I did talk to him today about it. Valerie says, I run the AC in the winter. It's a Vegas thing. Never forget when it's 115 in the summer. (laughs) Excuse me. If you're running uh, the AC in the winter in Las Vegas, that is certainly something, Valerie, because uh, I don't know if most people realize Vegas does get very cold. Just because don't be fooled by that, well, it's the desert and it gets 115 in July and August. In the winter, it gets colder, way colder than it gets here in Florida where I live. Maybe up in the panhandle, they get down to about the same temperature as Vegas. But down here in Clearwater, we don't touch, even come close to Vegas uh, in the winter Gets down into the 20s, right, Valerie? That's the way I remember it. And I can remember there being icy roads in Vegas for a few winters that I was there. It snowed maybe half of the winters that I was there. So running the AC in the winter is is something, Valerie. Running AC in the winter in Florida, I don't think that's maybe that unusual. But certainly in Vegas, I can remember some cold, cold mornings. Uh, when I worked at Star Trek, getting up, you know, to go to Star Trek, getting up to go to some of these other jobs, uh, that I had that really, uh, stick with me, especially your cars sitting outside. It's almost like living in Pennsylvania again, but I have a funny story for all of you. And some of you who follow me, follow my personal page, uh, maybe already know about this, but I got to tell my dad this today and he had a good, really good chuckle regarding it. Uh, on Saturday, so two days ago, uh, at the age of 52 and what, almost a half years old, I finally discovered that there actually is a difference between baking powder and baking soda. All right, I'm going to just all allow you all to laugh and chuckle for a few moments. But here's what happened. Uh, I was making wings and I'm trying to master um, I'm trying to master cooking chicken wings in the air fryer. Of course, I got this air air fryer, I guess technically from my dad. He gave me a he got me a Walmart gift certificate for Christmas. But um I'm trying to figure out a way to make wings in the air fryer as good as you know, they come out as good as they do when I cook them in oil. Because I have mastered cooking them in oil. I know the exact time, the exact sauce, the exact amount of oil in there, the exact temperature, everything. Of course, I've done it enough times. Where I can just boom, 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 boom. But of course, it takes some time and it's messy. But you know, I can nail it just about every time. Just absolutely nail it. Crisp out, crisp outside skin. The, the sauce is just right. The meat in the inside is spectacular, but the, the few couple times now that I've cooked wings in the air fryer, the meat has been fine, but the outside's kind of mushy. And 
You know, I'm just not down with that. So I followed this. I thought I was following a recipe, a different one on how to cook it with a really good crispy exterior. Once it's done after 20 minutes at 400 degrees or whatever. And so I followed this recipe. And so I started eating these wings. I guess it must've been on Saturday evening. And like after a couple, a couple of them, I'm like, these are terrible. I mean, I had like Frank's hot sauce in them. You couldn't even taste the hot sauce. It was just this other kind of taste. I was like, what, what is this? What did I do wrong? Is there something wrong with the air fryer? Did, was there something else in there that ruined them? Racking my brain, racking my brain. And I went back to the recipe on YouTube and started looking at it, looking. I was like, I followed this to the letter. What's the deal? And then I said, wait a minute. Baking powder, not baking soda. And I was like, is there a difference? You know, it's, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, for me being a, just naive maybe about some of these things, it's like mayonnaise. There's Miracle Whip, there's Hellman's. It, I know they make them different and everything, but it's still considered to be mayonnaise, different brand names, but it's still mayonnaise, even though they're different. They do not have the, make them the same way. And anybody who's tasted both knows there's kind of a different taste to both of them. I'm more of a Hellman's guy myself. So I was, you know, for all these years, I'm being totally honest with you, and you're probably all cracking up right now. Um, I just thought it was just a different name. Baking powder, baking soda. Some people, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato, potato, potato, whatever. You know, Florida or or Florida, as some people like to pronounce it with three syllables. I thought that's what it was. Little did I know. And so I started looking at this and it was, well, it's saying baking powder. And I went over and looked and this is baking soda. There's a difference. And once I started looking into it, I was like, oh yeah. And it's just not like a little difference. It's like a huge difference. And so I started thinking, well, you know, if, um, you know, you get baking soda, I, I forget what the difference is now having read it, but one, um, you know, for baking soda, you actually need other chemicals to make everything happen. Like it's supposed to happen with, with baking powder, it's all just already included in there. Why, you know, and I'm sure there's very technical reasons as I guess I've found out why you use one over the other. And of course, the reason you're supposed to be using baking powder in this recipe is because that sucks up all the moisture and is supposed to make, um, you know, things, you know, it's supposed to really take all the water out of the wings or whatever you're cooking and make things crispy and, you know, we know how either baking soda or baking powder can be used in cookies and cakes and everything else. So it's very specific 
that you need to use baking powder with these wings. And I even found, and then, you know, I, I'm feeling really stupid, but I did find stories on the internet about people using baking soda for chicken wings. And, you know, the same thing happened. You get this very metallic taste. And I'm here to tell all of you, do not even experiment with that. It is nasty. It's not dangerous or anything. It didn't upset my stomach or anything, but it does taste nasty. It's, you know, what would I say it's like? Um, you know, it's almost like eating something like, like it's supposed to be medicinal or something. Something that's like supposed to be good for you or, or something like that. It That's kind of what it tastes like. And we know wings are like the opposite of that. So I had a good chuckle about it. Uh, that's a good one, Charles. Um, it was pretty nasty. I, I made like, how many did I make? Eight wings. So eight drumettes, eight flats. I gave it like, I, you know, I gave it, how far did I get into them? I don't even think I got halfway through them. And I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. That's how bad it, it Once again, it wasn't anything internal. It was just, that's how bad it tasted. Um, and I had to throw them out, had to throw them out. So that's my baking powder versus baking soda story. Do not do that with wings. Anyway, I know baking soda is certainly used in other recipes and you must use that. Maybe it's the same thing. You use baking powder instead of baking soda powder instead of baking soda and you'll ruin something else. But I did, uh, I needed a little bit of revenge. I needed a little bit, bit of a get back, as they say in the 21st century. And so uh, last night after the think tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, I went and got a whole new thing of wings, got baking powder, and made them this evening. And they came out really good. Still not the same as cooking in the oil. But this was certainly the best batch I've made yet in the air fryer. Uh, still not as crispy on the outside as I would like. I don't know if that means do I need to dry the wings out even more? Or does that mean a little more baking powder or something else? I'm still not sure. Going to have to maybe experiment with that a little bit. But these ones tasted really, really good. And the outside of them was not soggy like those first couple batches that I made using some other recipe. So uh, the work continues, as we as we might say. Um, but I got a little rip back. In fact, I didn't even eat them all. Uh, they're they're waiting in the refrigerator for me after this live show. I will finish them. <laughs> I had them this evening, or I had to really make sure that all the sauce was off my mouth before I came to the microphone tonight. Cause that would be embarrassing. So, um, came out really well. And, you know, even if I don't get to the total, um, point that they're as good as pointing in oil, I'm going to continue to try to work toward that. The thing about cooking them in the air fryer, it's a little quicker and it's not as messy. On the other hand, the way I feel about it right at the second, if I really, really, really want to impress people with my chicken wings making skills, probably going to have to use the oil method. 
you know, if I'm really, really trying to show off um, for right now. But air frying at this point is certainly viable. I would give myself uh, the wings when I make it in the oil an A. Probably right now, the way I made those wings today, probably a B. Certainly maybe better than that. Of course, what I did on Friday or on Saturday was an F. Maybe not a B. Maybe like a B minus because the, you know, the crisp outside is very important to me. Um, so maybe B, B minus, certainly not B plus something is what I'd probably give myself today, which is when I started the first couple of batches were probably C, C minus, I'd say. So that's my chicken wing story, my baking powder, baking soda. And as you see, you know, for anybody who listens to the podcast, you know, and maybe there are some people out there who have, you know, a certain opinion of me, uh, how I sound during the podcast and, you know, you know, I've been called a know-it-all and arrogant and some other words and everything. I'm telling you the, as you can see, I don't mind making fun of myself. I don't mind telling you about mistakes I make and things. And maybe that's just a sign of my security or my confidence or something like that. But, um, I really don't mind telling people about mistakes I made, at least the funny ones. So there you go. Um, I want to remind everybody now that we are this far, almost a half hour into the live show, that um, to give this uh, show a thumbs up, we seem to be lagging in that category um, right now, uh, not quite a half hour in. So on your device, on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, wherever you may be, you got to be hitting that thumbs up. Just do it. Get it done. You know it's going to be good. So what's everybody saying about my um, my uh, baking soda, baking powder story? The real. I'd laugh, except I once had to Google what's the difference between baking powder and baking soda. And, you know, in real, and I really respect you. I, I know you have some brains, too. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I probably shouldn't. I'd be in a glass house throwing stones. That's funny, Good one. I love that analogy. Glass. Those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw rocks. I love that. I love that saying. Suzanne's laughing. Deborah, Miracle Whip is salad dressing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Deborah's, uh, those are fighting words for maybe for some people. I can eat Miracle Whip. I have no problem with it. But Hellman's is, uh, you know, I know there's all sorts of mayonnaise and everything. Just naming the, you know, and they don't pay for advertising on the show. Um, but I'm more of a Hellman's guy. I was raised as a Miracle Whip guy. Once I went to Las Vegas, I became a Hellman's guy. Fairy Magic says, some of us are laughing. No problem, Fairy. Christy, that's funny. I can't imagine baking soda being tasty. Me neither, Christy, but it is certainly in some recipes. So, I don't know. Jay-Z, I've done the same thing with cookies. Not good. They're J7 or J7, John Jay-Z. J7, uh, haven't seen you around before, J7. Welcome to the live show. You've done that before too. Um, glad to, you know, misery loves company, J7. Charles, baking powder is soda plus corn starch plus salt. Uh, Charles has a very heavy duty cooking background, everybody. Thank you for that, Charles. Lisa Frank's hot sauce is my favorite. It is mine too, uh, Lisa. I do experiment with it a little bit, although because of my digestive issues that I've been talking about, 
really cannot experiment as much as I would like. But so I'm just going like straight Frank's hot sauce with some butter right now. And it's plenty. Charles says aspirin on meat. Yeah. Baking soda. That's really what it's like. Charles TD. Has everyone seen the reel about the toaster numbers? Uh, not sure what that is. TD says kind of the same idea as not knowing the difference between baking powder and baking soda. Has anyone even seen the reel about the toaster numbers? Have not seen that TD. Maybe if that's on YouTube or something, you want to post the link there. So we can all partake in that TD. That sounds funny. And coffee, hello to you. I just got through with my baking soda slash baking powder story. Uh, moving on, trivia team. My trivia team continues to, to kick butt. Uh, haven't, um, you know, don't talk about it a, a lot, but many of you know that I am on a trivia team and we go to Fat Cats uh, here in Largo, Florida every Thursday evening. And my team wins a lot. But the last, if you can imagine this, so a week and a half ago, there were 40, 41 teams there, and we won. Went to a tiebreaker. No, did it? No, we won outright that week. 41 teams there. The place was packed, and we won. And then this past Thursday, so like four days ago, there were 44 teams there. As you can imagine, this place is pretty big. It's pub trivia, so it's at least two people on a team, but many teams have like six, seven, eight players. Well, there was only th- there were only three of us there this past Thursday. Myself, uh, this guy Scott, who's a geography teacher at Largo High School, and a guy Mike, who uh, was a history teacher at Largo. He is now retired. It was just the three of us. 44 teams there. We won again. Crazy. No, that one did go to a tiebreaker. But really, really crazy. Just, um, we win a lot. Although we don't win as much as we used to. It's gotten more competitive and everything. And I think some of these people are cheating. But crazy. To win 41 teams, we win. A week later with only like half the team there for a variety of reasons. We win again with 44. Crazy. Uh, And we were, you know, we had to fight kind of come from behind this past week too, but who would have thunk it? So pumped up. As many of you know, I'm very competitive. I love to win. And especially since we've been accused of cheating in the past, when we win, I like to rub it in a little bit. (laughs) So uh, it's a great time. I always have a good time over there and uh, just crazy, crazy uh, impressed. Just, uh, you know, just crazy. A bit, I, I should say, though, Mike Scott, very, and Mike and Scott, very, very smart guys. I mean, like wicked, wicked, wicked smart. Now, of course, I contribute too, but we all have like our specialties. Uh, my specialty is like movies. Pop culture. Um, you know, what else? Movies, pop culture, music, although we didn't miss a music question. I'm, I'm not a big Beatles fan, so there's a Beatles question. We missed it. Um, that's really my strong suits, whereas like Scott's um, geography all over the world, which is a you know, very common topic. And then Mike, 
really into history, knows his presidents inside and outside. And he's really good with dates on when things were invented or started. He's really good in that category too. But um, fantastic. And the fact, the final question I will tell you, what is, and it was a little bit of a guess, what is the ninth letter of the Greek alphabet? That was the final question this past uh, Thursday. And another team got it right. We went to a tiebreaker, and then we, we won the tiebreaker. So I won't be able to be there Thursday, this coming Thursday, but I'll tell you about that in a little bit. And then finally, regarding all of uh, anything going on in Ed's personal life that I can talk about publicly. Went to the doctor last Tuesday. Um, all good. All good. Um, of course, my, I had a blood test done back in de- December. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, if, if you don't know, uh, doctors these days, they have like these computers and programs and everything. They, they can actually tell you looking at like your blood levels and your weight and all these different things, put it together and give you a percentage chance that you're going to have a heart attack within like the, like the next year or something like that. My chance is 4%. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. We did talk about um, these, these headaches that I continue to have like right in the center of my head. I mean, when I went for like most of my life, no headaches. But once in a while, I get a, a headache right here. Might be because uh, I'm getting to that point where even though I can read up close and everything, but it's taking those muscles in this area really a lot of energy to focus my eyes. It could be because of that. It could be because I find myself when I'm sitting doing work, I kind of get a little tense, even though I don't realize it. Um, but it also could be a factor. I think maybe once in a while I'm having these silent migraines. That could be it too. And then it also tends to think that maybe I have a little sleep apnea going on. But not I, I sleep fine. I always feel energized in the morning when I get up. But sometimes when I get up in the morning, I'll have that going on like right here, and then eventually goes away. But what I found is when I sleep on my stomach, I don't have any issues, and I prefer to st- sleep on my stomach anyway. So there's that. And then, we, of course, we talked about my digestive stuff going on. And at this point, he really doesn't know what to say. He goes, it doesn't sound any, like, anything dangerous to me. Um, but he did say anything you can do to improve your diet uh, is going to be good for you because, you know, he doesn't want me, you know, eating any dairy products anyway. Uh, he's not a big fan of gluten either. And so – and he knows about my allergies and all of that. So he goes, really just don't know what to make of it right at this second. Um, but – you know, if it's still, you know, bothering you like two or three months from now, because this this kind of thing just started within the last few months. Um, you know, if you want to make another appointment for like April, you know, you know, we can have a deeper talk about this specific topic. I just, he goes, I just don't know what to tell you right now. He goes, it just doesn't sound like anything dangerous to me, but, you know, that's about all he could say. But. 
I could lose a couple pounds, which I think changing my eating habits because of this is going to help. And at least like I can eat chicken wings, right? So, uh, um, but for four, 52 years old, you know, I see those other 50-some-year-olds out in the disc golf course. I see them. And I don't have any wraps on my knees. I don't have any wraps on my elbows. I'm not getting out the men gay before I go out in the disc golf course. Uh, you know, there's, you know, it's, you know, as everybody knows, uh, we do have a weight problem here in the United States. And, you know, as I get older, I even notice it more around people, you know, people my age. Um, even though I think I could lose a couple pounds, I could probably afford to get down to maybe 175, 176. And right now I'm about 181. You know, it's not that big of a deal, but, you know, when I see a lot of guys, you know, I'm not going to talk about women, not going to do that. Just talk about my own gender. But man, there are a lot of guys out there that are, Wow. It just looks, I look at them out there and it just looks dangerous to me. You know, we're not going to even get into an appearance thing, but I just think from a health point of view, man, that cannot be good. So next to them, you know, I look like uh, one of these heroin chic models from the 1990s. So there's that. Just calling it like I see it, but I'm good. I love my doctor. Uh, best doctor I've ever had. Um, very knowledgeable doesn't you know you don't feel like you're on a conveyor belt and um you know just takes time to explain things and uh he knows what i do i know sometimes he listens to the podcast we've talked about it so uh there you go all right let's move on to the unfound part uh it's not very long tonight and then we need to get into some national News. Let's see what everybody's saying. Uh, TD says the toaster numbers aren't the degree of toasting, but the minutes toasted. Oh, you know, uh, TD. You know the thing. You know when it comes to toasters, that toasters have not uh, really been a huge part of my life. I don't mind toast, but when I think of toast, that's usually something. Of course, I'm supposed to be staying away from bread anyway, which I'm doing. Um, it's usually something I just think about. You know, comes with like breakfast at a restaurant. Otherwise, toast. You know, maybe I toasted some things earlier last year, but then when I started noticing some gluten issues, I've pushed it to the side. But I didn't even realize that TD. So those are supposed to be the, the numbers for the minutes. Okay, nicely done, TD. Uh, Deborah, really? Uh, dang, Deborah says my motto: more bounce per ounce. Look at you, Deborah. The real says, I just looked up Ben Gay. For some reason, I always presumed it was an aftershave lotion. It is not an aftershave lotion, although I would pay to see some guy use it in after, as an aftershave lotion and watch them jump around the real. All right, moving on. Uh, kind of uh, given that we went to school last Friday, really didn't know what to ask for a poll question in the discussion group. But I thought I would bring this up. It was a conversation that Moana's laughing at my joke. You're welcome, Moana. But it was a conversation that popped up between me and my assistant, Cherie, who coincidentally is the moderator um, for this live show every every Monday. 
and back when it was on Wednesday. Thank you, Cherie. And we just started to talking. Does does the logo need a refresh? It's been over six years. So kind of talked about it and I said, hey, I'll just put it out there and see what everybody thinks. Now, over 80% of you uh, say that the unfound logo should not be changed. And that would seem to go in line with many other podcasts out podcasts out there. For example, has the vanished uh, has Marissa changed her logo since the beginning? I don't think so. Not that I pay attention to this such things, but it would be news to me if she did. Generation Y has it changed its logo? I don't think so. Um, but maybe there have been some that have. Uh, likewise, we know that there are a lot of major corporations that have changed their logos over the time. Maybe the one that I think of the most just comes to mind is MasterCard. Uh, that used to be, it was like that, what, brown and orange circles kind of put together, and then it actually says MasterCard. They don't even put the words anymore. That's how well that logo is known now. It is just the circles, and everybody just knows. And maybe Visa... I don't think Visa is doing that quite yet, but we know that some airlines like Southwest American Airlines United over the years, they changed their logos, kind of updating everything's for whatever reason. So it's not exactly a crazy um, idea. It's not crazy. I guess for me, the problem is that I really, really like the unfound logo. And um, maybe if all of you have been around long enough, going way back to when Unfound started, when I really, really did had no idea where this podcast was, you know, where it was going to go and how long it was going to last. I mean, I just threw a logo together that was really, really, really bad and had to live with that for a while until the logo that we use now came along. And it's like, we went from like a 1 out of 10 to like a 9.5 out of 10. And I can so I continue to like it, but maybe this will be something that, uh, you know, I continue to think about. And I know Sheree and I will probably uh, talk about it again. In fact, Sheree and I and Eric are going to be having another meeting this uh, Saturday evening. But... Pretty much uh, 80, uh, 80 some percent of you said I wouldn't change the logo at all. Probably going to go with that for now, but don't be surprised if maybe six months from now, maybe there is a change, a small change. We'll just have to see. What I like about the logo, it's just, it's very simple. Just, uh, dare I say, uh, forgive the pun, very black and white, although you can see the logo in white some places and red some places. And I think that's why I really like it is if you want to change it up, all you have to do is change the color. And it's very easy to do. And I love that the the, the magnifying glass is the O in the world it, word, and it's right smack in the middle. There are so many things I like about it, but maybe liking it does not translate to it being the best or, you know, more attention, refreshing things. Like I said, there are reasons the corporations, the, even if they are very, very successful, you know, change things up and you can go back 
and um, you know, look at corporations from the 1960s that are still around today. Many of them have changed their logos, but do they do uh, change them every six years? Probably not. Rockford says, think about the sports teams that have not changed their logos. Celtics, Steelers, look at you, Rockford, getting my Steelers in there. Yankees, Red Wings, what do they have in common? They are winners. Now consider teams who have changed logos often. Uh, yeah, what about the Dallas Cowboys, Rockford? <laughs> With the start, they uh, uh, they haven't won a Super Bowl for a while. But Rockford, no, your point is uh, well taken. Uh, certainly true that. Um, that could have something to do with it. And that certainly will go into the thinking. So thank you for that, Rockford. Good one. Uh, moving on. Uh, Dr. Telesco and I are doing a show on Thursday. I didn't think we were going to do one this month, but then one of her assistants uh, contacted me, must have been the end or uh, the beginning of last week, and said, well, these are going to be the dates coming for January, February, March, April. I said, great, I'll be ready. And so we have a show this Thursday. That's why I will not be going to trivia this Thursday. So uh, just to let all of you know, and of course, I'll be reminding all of you and everybody else again before Thursday evening, uh, 7 p.m. on the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice YouTube channel, where it always is. It will be live. And I knew the, know the major topic will be the Idaho Massacre. We're not going to get into all the, the, the very, very, very fine, minute details. We're going to go over the generalities, but we're going to have more of a discussion um, about crime solving and how the media covered it. Uh, we're going to add that into uh, everything else, just talking about the details. Of course, being that Dr. Telesco is in a criminal justice department, at a, a very well-known university and being that Brian Koberger was a criminal justice major going for his doctorate. It's probably going to figure into this, into the discussion a little bit. In addition, um, Dr. Telesco on her show has had Kathleen, Catherine or Kathleen Ramsland on twice. Well, Brian Koberger was a student of hers. So maybe that'll come up in the discussion. So, I urge you all to take time out of your busy schedules on Thursday evening from 7 to 8 o'clock so you can watch me and Dr. Telesco together again for the first time in 2023. Moving on, um, this this is spectacular, and, and I, I'm hoping that this happens. Uh, I, I think I can talk about this, and maybe this young woman – uh, is even even watching the live show. I'm not going to use her name. But I got an email. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. You just never know what's going to happen when you do this podcast. You just never know. In fact, I'm going through a disappearance right now that I thought I knew well. It's going to be an upcoming episode for sure within the next month. I thought I knew this particular disappearance really, really well. Boy, am I finding out I was wrong. It's just fascinating. I'm hoping we can move the investigation forward. But when we get to that episode a, a few weeks down the road, of course, we'll be able to talk about it. But like I said, you just never know what's going to happen from day to day here. You never know who's going to call you. You never know who's going to email you. You never know what kind of messages you're going to get from listeners or somebody else. You just never know. Totally unpredictable. 
at the beginning of last, it must have been the beginning of last week, or maybe Tuesday it was. I got an email from a young woman from Massachusetts. She is a law student. She's not a graduate. She's still in law school. So she's already gone through her four years. And now she's into her, and I think she's going to be completing her second year of law school. She is a listener of Unfound. And she sent me an email asking if she could do an internship with Unfound this summer. Fascinating. Completely intrigued me right away. Spectacular. And, I, and I'm guessing, you know, just because I'm not naive about these things, I'm guessing she probably sent some other emails out. I'm not, maybe not to other podcasts, but other places. But I got this email and I was instantly intrigued. I will admit the way I am, and despite how I may sound on the podcast every Friday, this is one of those things that kind of humbles you and you know, kind of reminds you of – at least reminds me of, of what I'm doing and the importance of and everything that a law student wants to uh, you know uh, – you know, intern here because obviously she sees the podcast as being very important, very helpful, doing good things. And, and if you know, I have my bachelor's degree, but that's it. I don't have a master's in everything or anything. Never even thought about ever getting a doctorate in anything. But to have somebody like that who is aspiring to be a lawyer, who's getting the higher education, uh, certainly is going to a fantastic school. To ask to be an intern, it's just crazy. And I have to admit, being a Seinfeld fan, I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld episodes over and over and over on Netflix. I couldn't help but think of that one episode with Kramer having uh, an intern for his company, uh, Cramerica. Do any of you remember that? It's also the one, if you remember, that is also the same episode where uh, Jerry and George were uh, going, hello. Remember, that was that same episode. And I kind of thought of that. But so she sent me this message and I, you know, I replied to her and I just, you know, well, if you could answer these questions and, you know, explain some things to me and, and I will tell you, you know, I already have ideas about, you know, some things that she could do. I'd certainly give her some specialty work given her area of concentration for education. And Sheree and I have already um, talked about that uh, a little bit. But certainly I would not just give her anything to do. Obviously, when you have an intern like that, you want to um, – you know, for, you know, be constructive for her. So, and of course, constructive for me, but also constructive for her. And so, I, you know, I already have some ideas. So I'm very, very intrigued. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I'd love to have her. Of course, it's just, you know, she lives up there in Massachusetts. I live here. It's just be like any of my assistants, like, 
you know, work done over the internet and things. But just like I said, you just never know what's going to happen. And uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see where it goes. I don't think that, um, you know, should she become an intern for the summer of 2023? Not sure how much I'll get into the work that she would actually be doing while she's here, but uh, certainly when she's done, I could tell all of you about, you know, come end of August or something like that. You know, everything that she did, like I said, I kind of already have a plan in my head. So it's just so so crazy. There's no way I can tell you, I'm being totally honest about this. There's no way that uh, starting this podcast six and a half years ago, roughly that I thought it would get some point where a, a law student, you know, can I intern for you? Just never occurred to me. And I just think it's fascinating. And I hope I can help this young woman out. I think she can certainly help us out. And I would love to help her out, certainly give her some really good education regarding disappearances, because it seems like her law career is going kind of in the criminal justice direction. So to give her an idea, you know, regarding disappearances and victims' families and and all of that, um, you know, I think that we could both learn a lot from her being an intern. So... Just never know. Uh, Art Vandalay, I know you, Art. Hello. And Melissa, hello, 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 Vandalay Industries. Art Vandalay laughing. Yeah. Yeah, this was not, but the thing is, that was not the Art Vandalay episode. That was a different uh, episode. But Kramer's uh, company was called Kramerica, and he had an intern, and they were trying to invent a, a rubber bladder for oil ships or for cargo ships that carry oil. Remember that? And they filled one and uh, George was working at a toy company. So he had a big ball and they filled it with oil and threw it out the window and it landed on Jerry's girlfriend. That's that episode. That's the episode where um, Kramer has an intern. Excuse me. All right, moving on. Uh, The store is coming. I think I mentioned that on last, uh, this past Friday's episode. That we're starting from scratch. We're starting with a new company. Um, I actually took a look at it. It's not online or anything yet. But I was looking through the products. um, Talking with Kim. Who is going to be running this. uh, When she's not, of course, doing her real job. I'm hoping a lot of this can be. um, You know, done you know, just all through computers and everything, but certainly do need somebody with some experience to oversee it. And Kim certainly has that experience. So I've took, took, uh, taken a look at it today, sent her messages, you know, just asking her some questions about some things. But that's something that continue to, continues to move forward. Now, have you know that what we're going to do with that is that all profits made from the store or will eventually... Uh, uh, go to charity. Okay. I don't know what charity. It'll be with some 501c3 connected to uh, victims' families of some type. Hopefully disappearances. We know there's some out there. And the one that just comes to mind, of course, is the one that Mary Lau um, runs. Maybe we'll split it up 
a little bit here and there. It just depends on how everything goes. But that's going to be happening. It was on my list of things to do actually last year. didn't happen. So this year it is going to happen. And I hope you all will take part in it once it is up and running. I think we're going to start um, very small, just so it's very, very manageable and th- see how it goes, and then maybe spread out in some different directions. So all I can say is uh, be patient with it. Shree says, new and improved on found, not crazy to think of a new logo. I know of about six logos the Astros have had, and they're World Series champs, so things to think about. Certainly, Shree, and we will continue to talk about it, continue to think about it. Certainly. And then finally, uh, regarding anything concerning Unfound, is uh, I'm signed up with Spotify for another year. Um, And it's really just the same contract as last year. Uh, How we divvy everything up and how everything works and how I get the statistics. And... um, Actually, this isn't the final topic. I have one more, a couple more things actually to talk about that I didn't put on this outline. But, um, but another year, Spotify. This contract that I had was supposed to end, supposed to end on March first of twenty twenty three, and already we've re-upped for another year. So I'm with them until at least March first of twenty twenty four, and I am very very. Happy about that. There wasn't even any, you know, things. It was just like, hey, Ed, would love to have you another here. Here you go. Okay, I can do that. So I appreciate it. Only have had a couple problems with them, just not negotiations or contract issues, just some technical issues. Maybe the, the one that I think of right off the top of my head was at the end of 2022. I think it was when the first episode of the Colonial Parkway Disappearances came out. There was something going on there all weekend. Other than that, it was pretty smooth. There might have been something last summer or something, but I really cannot complain uh, about how they run things. The only thing I would say is that it would be nice if they had somebody – on staff during the weekends if they do have any technical issues because that's what happened. Um, This technical issue started on Friday afternoon right when the podcast got published and they weren't in all weekend and it didn't get really handled until Monday morning. So like three days later, technically. So I did, you know, point out to them, it would be nice if, because that can really mess up your numbers and, and, you know, people start wondering, well, what happened? The only good news is that it wasn't just, didn't just affect unfound and it affected anybody who was with them. So I guess misery loves company. Um, let's see, to be fair, the Astros are proven cheaters. Oh, don't even start art. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't get into that with him. Sheree. Uh, Rockford Unfound wants to emulate cheaters. Nah, you guys are don't do don't do that. Don't do that. Don't get on the bad side of my moderator. She has the delete button. Don't do that. We're not here to don't do that. I would not bring that up again, anybody. Don't do that. Hello, Oracle. 
Well, how are you doing, real cool? You've missed a heck of a show so far, dare I say. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, <laughs> Sheree says it's not new. Um, I did have a good conversation with a TV production company today. Uh, it's a guy that I had not spoken to since even before COVID started. We we figured that we hadn't, the last time we spoke was um, like sometime toward the end of 2019. So it's been over three years. In fact, I was joking with him. Yeah, last time we talked, I had short hair. And so this is also one of those things that was on my important list of things to do, like the store, like some other things, maybe even like the logo. We'll see that, you know, start reaching out to these places again. I even had a conversation with the company that I have a contract with in the UK, just about how things have gone to this point. Um, really don't want to get into what was said. I get along with them just fine. Just don't know if all of my, you know, my idea of how the things were going to go and how they've uh, gone are a little bit different. I have no problem with any people. I have great relationship. They're all fine people. But as far as the production side and things, you know, I, I've just been a little surprised by some things. So I brought that up with them. Not a harsh conversation, but and I can't really get. I don't even want to. I don't want to say any more than that. But I resolved to start 2023 to reach out to all of these places that I've talked to before. And so the culmination of one of those emails was I had a conversation today, a Zoom conversation with a, a guy, like I said, I spoke to sometime toward the end of 2019. Good guy, doing great work. Uh, once again, uh, a nonfiction kind of documentary, short TV series kind of company. That's mainly what they do. They have done some true crime stuff, but I don't know if anything recently but originally when we talked, it was about that, just could not get together. Um, but now it's some years later. I've covered a bunch more disappearances. The profile of the podcast is a lot higher. The Steve Pankatron, everything else. Uh, things are a little different now. So we had a very positive conversation. Uh, we did talk about some nonfiction stuff. Um, but I also ran the idea by him of trying something fictional so a drama dramatic series regarding disappearances with characters and mysteries and things and that is also something that i'm working on in my spare time right now not that i have a ton of spare time but um it's something that i just have to get done really all i'm looking at right now regarding that is trying to create what we call a pilot maybe once again people think of seinfeld a pilot is um just a a, a show to shoot to give a representation of what a series a, a series of shows would look like. You know, let's see if it works. Do the characters work? Can we do this for a particular budget? Is it interesting? Does it make sense? Are people going to watch it? That's why pilots are made. And a lot of pilots are shot in Hollywood and elsewhere. And most of them do not become TV shows. But you don't get a TV show without doing a pilot. So I'm working on a pilot episode. Very, very early on. So I ran that by him. And he says, yeah, I'll talk to you about that. Absolutely. Even though that's not necessarily what they do. 
but I think he does have some background in that as well. So that would be cool. I'm actually going to be having a conversation tomorrow with another uh, different, totally different person, totally different company. Now, this one was more recently. I think the last time I spoke to him was right around Steve Pankey time of 2021 or maybe before that. So I'm going to be talking to him tomorrow afternoon. So, and I have a couple other people that I need to still reach out to as well. But that's something that I, I needed to put on the front burner. So as you can tell, there's just things that need to get done. Uh, 2022 was a good maintaining year, probably. You know, the best thing, getting hooked up with Spotify has been spectacular. But 2023 is, you know, continuing to push out, you know, and make sure that everything that can be done Anything that can be done is being done. And I really did not do that last year, to be honest. I can look back at 2022 and say, yep, some of these things should, should have probably been done last year. Well, they're going to get done this year. So um, turning a, a few leaves for 2023. And I will let you, if anything happens, I'll let you know. But I continue to say with TV and all sorts of stuff like that, very, very, very difficult business. On top of the teachable.com courses that I'm working on in my spare time, along with getting the podcast done for every Friday and doing the live show and everything else. No, I haven't done everything to do at all. Um, your uh, Roracle says, helping your daughter with MAP. Oh, my goodness. Uh, how old is your daughter, Roracle? Uh, what kind of uh, grade, uh, certain grade math are we talking here, the Roracle? Art says, Laroka, you can learn together. Laroka, yeah, very different than when I was in school. Laroka said, I am old. I'm old too, Laroka. I'm old too. All right. Let's move on to this. I want to talk to you about murder. I know this is not something that we, um, you know, really cover on Unfound. Kind of, of course, dabbled in it with Steve Pankey's arrest and me going out there twice and everything but you know that's not what we do even though we are inclined to believe that 60 some percent of disappearances are murders maybe not planned out necessarily but certainly somebody killed somebody else and it wasn't self-defense and then there was some sort of cover-up 60 some percent i want to talk to you about kind of a paradox that is going on in the United States right now. Maybe, you know, uh, the real, uh, maybe you know about Australian um, murder rates and um, maybe there's some other people from some other countries out there. Once in a while, we have people from England and I, once in a while from Hong Kong, other places, but I'm just going to be talking to you about the United States. As I've mentioned many times, even in the episodes and here on the live show, certainly. The United States, since I was born, and I always use my year, 1970, nice, you know, even year with a zero at the end. The United States, by all accounts, is a less violent place than when I was born on August 1st, 1970. And this is violent crime per 100,000 people. The rate has drastically dropped since then we could go through a lot of different reasons why that might be but th those are the facts 
you can go look up those statistics for yourself. Now, of course, as I've also stated, some other things have unfortunately gone up since then. Drug addiction, way up. since. Even though we think of all the crazy late 1960s, the late 1960s ain't got nothing on drug use and everything that goes on in the United States now. It's not even close. But addictions are up. Depression and things like that are way up. Suicides are up. You've heard me talk about this before. But the violent crime rate, and when I say violent crime, of course, robberies, murders, rape, assault, per 100,000 people has dropped. But here is the paradox, and I'm going to read you some statistics. The clearance rate, what I'm, when, and what I mean by that is the solving rate has also drastically dropped. So if you can believe this, this is, you know, some of you, you know, maybe most of you have no idea what I'm going to be talking about. Maybe some of you follow the stuff. So just to play along here, but for the rest of you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, since 19, I'm going to read this. I have this in my notes to my left. Since 1970, all violent crime is down per 100,000 people in the United States. However, the clearance rate for murders has never been lower. And what I mean by that, in 1965, so five years before I was born, of the murders that were committed in 1965, 90% of them got solved. 90% in 1965. By 1980, that percentage rate dropped to 75%, even though there were fewer murders committed in the United States that year. We go up to 1990, it dropped another 10 percentage points to 65%. So once again, even though less people are getting murdered, even though the population, and now you should know, since I was born, if you can believe this, since I was born, the population in the United States has doubled. We've gone from roughly 150 million, 160 to 170 million to 330 million in the United States since I've been born. Now, you would think more people, more murders, that makes all the sense in the world. And the, but the murder rate per 100,000 people is down. But like I said, 1980, the 75% solve rate, 1990, 65% solve rate, 2000, 58% solve rate. 2010, the same 58% solve rate. And then just from a few years ago, 2020, the solve rate of murders in the United States was only 50%. Even though fewer murders are being committed now than back in 1965 or 1970. How is that possible? You would think fewer murders... It should be easier to solve them because people aren't getting overwhelmed with all the murders. You should have more time to solve the murders on the books. And you should know, even though the, the, the violent crime rate has dropped, because uh, of the cre increase in population and because of the solve rate also dropping, the same number of people um, 
are being murdered now going unsolved as it were back then. It's a weird thing, all these graphs working together. Maybe you have to think about that for a little bit. Now, of course, this flies in the face of what we all know, uh, what we think about DNA, what we think about other forensic evidence. We know about cell phones and being able to track people. We know about social media, of course, CODIS and NamUs, and all of these things put together, and we are solving murders at a at a worse rate than since the United States might have become industrialized at the Industrial Revolution sometime in the late 1800s. It is mind-boggling. So this flies in the face of uh, you know what we can only call a cliche now that well DNA has really you know done damage uh, to criminals. Man, we're just catching them all the time now. We're not. We're not. The solving rate is the worst it has ever been, at least for as long as they've been keeping statistics. You wouldn't, it's one of those things you would not believe it unless you actually looked at. I think the public perception, of course, we know how the media distorts all these things. Look at all these murders, and certainly they're happening. Idaho, we know what happened in Monterey Park a couple days ago, these mass shootings at schools, everywhere else, all horrible. But at least those people are usually caught or they kill themselves. What you don't hear about are all these murders that are happening that don't get solved. Despite all of these things, all of the scientific, um, you know, t- scientific technology that we have. So I have, should not fewer crimes mean more time to solve the ones that occur, you would think. Obviously, that's not proving to be true. Uh, DNA, video, et cetera, don't seem to be helping or would the rate be even worse without them? Imagine if we didn't have DNA, where the rate would be. Imagine that. Because, of course, they didn't have DNA technology back in the 1970s when the rate was, uh, you know, 80-some percent solution rate. Where would we be without that technology? It's scary to even think about it. So what is going on here? What is going on? These are some possible reasons. And you should mind, we might talk about, I might talk about this with Dr. Telesco on Thursday night. Not sure if we get to it, we get to it. We don't, we don't. I sent her a bunch of stuff that we could talk about. We're certainly going to talk about the Idaho massacres. If we have any time for anything else, maybe this will be one of the things, but I'm not making any guarantees. It's her show. So what is going on here? Why is it that in 2023, the solving of murders is pretty much the worst it has ever been, even despite all 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 of the things I said, all these breakthroughs we have? Here are some possible reasons. I don't really lean toward one or the other, but we have to start thinking about these things. Number one, yes, there is less violence, but is it more concentrated in fewer areas now, making clearances tough? So yes, the rate overall in the United States has dropped, but in certain areas, maybe the big cities, the rates have actually gone up 
And so that makes it harder in those areas to solve crime, and that's what we're seeing. Maybe back when they were – the statistics started in the 1960s with the murder rate, the violent crime be- being so high, it was like more spread out over the United States. And so it was easier to work on any one particular violent crime. These days, yes, the, the, the rate has dropped, but now those murders are only – happening you know at a high rate in certain places and maybe overwhelming local law enforcement something to think about another thing to maybe consider are police required to do so much more than 50 or 60 years ago could it be that i would my perception and i think we even talked about this when i interviewed dr telesco for an episode you remember that one from like late november early december of 2022 that police officers are required to do so much more than they were 50 years ago they have to be part psychiatrist and they have to be part referee and you know marriage counselor and everything else maybe a lot more than was ever required 50 years ago and maybe that actually gets in the way of solving murders and other violent crimes Maybe it's also a paperwork issue. You know, so much maybe so much more paperwork to fill out these days that it gets in the way and actually doing real on the beat, in the car, on a horse, on your feet, real detective work. Certainly possible. That's something else to think about. And also another possible reason. Um. Could it be, and this is kind of going the opposite direction, could it be that maybe a lot of time when they were solving these crimes back in the 1960s and 70s, uh, people's rights were being invaded a little bit more than you can get away with today? I have that. Uh, Less than legal methods used back then compared to now. And maybe it could be the criminals are just getting smarter. Maybe they're getting better lawyers. Of course, we also have to remember we go back far enough we're getting before Miranda, which certainly I think changed the way the crimes are handled and the way they can be solved and things that criminals say and what can be used in in court and can't be used. I think that also changed the shape of being able to prosecute violent crime as well. And it could be a combination of all three, and there could be even more explanations for all of this. But these are the stats. Despite violent crime dropping per 100,000 people, so I'm just picking out a number. In 1970, there were 100 violent crimes per 100,000 people. That number has dropped to 75. But back then, of those 100 crimes, 90 of them would get solved. Well, here in 2023, if 75 are getting solved, the statistics say only 50% of them, like 37, 38 of them are getting solved. It is mind-boggling. It's scary. And I think it could be that this is the reason, you know, a lot of people do believe that the United States is a more dangerous place than it was back then. Even though less crime is being committed, less of the violent crime is being solved. And that actually could technically make the numbers go up. So let's see what everybody is saying about this. Uh, the Oracle says uh, 12 since seventh grade is not how I remember. So, okay, seventh grader. Wow. Julie, man, a lot of people actually get killed by bear attacks and may be considered missing. Uh, we're just talking about violent crime. Uh, certainly 
Uh, people can disappear for different reasons, but we're just talking about things that are labeled violent crime. All right, possibly because of more acquittals due to a more liberal mindset of the populace. You know, I don't know about that, Art. Um, is the country more, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but is the country more liberal now than it was? I don't know. Rockford, want to, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It eventually does come down to juries. But when I read these statistics, I don't automatically think, well, a lot of these criminals getting are more of them are getting acquitted. That could be. I just wonder if police are catching anybody. Rockford wants want to see clearance rate by median income of the area before I think it's strange. I think that is very hard to solve murders in poor areas, significantly fewer murders outside those areas. Could be. Don't know. That's certainly a possibility. Rockford, your first theory is what I just read. I'm with you on that one. Okay. The real, a lot of organizations are more top heavy than they used to be. A whole lot of management, not enough boots on the ground. Maybe law enforcement is like that too. The real, very nicely done. Very, very nicely done. That could be a situation too. Nicely done. Rockford, also, I wonder how many false clearances occurred due to those dubious methods. It's something I talked about. In other words, innocent people convicted of crimes rather being ruled out due to DNA. Yep. On top of the fact that, like I said, I think back at uh, a time not so long ago that it was easier to uh, get confessions from people that what weren't necessarily legal and things like that in contrast to today. Deborah, criminals got more rights than the public usually. Yeah, um, that uh, maybe it all adds up. It certainly all adds up, but it is a shocking number. I mean, you talk about 90% to 50% in my lifetime, so in 50 years. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy so if you didn't know about that now you do and just uh this is a true crime show uh live show of course uh the podcast is a true crime podcast we believe the crimes were committed a lot of the times not all the time and we don't do murders necessarily on unfound but certainly knowing what's going on in law enforcement as a whole in you know statistics regarding violent crime in the United States and whether they're getting solved or not certainly pertains to what we do at Unfound regarding disappearances certainly certainly so maybe that you know we're looking at this we're looking at those statistics those numbers maybe this is one of the reasons that more disappearances don't get solved too could be moving on this is kind of not really in the same vein but um, I want to read about this and this has to, it just mentioned it and this is drug addiction. I'm going to read this article to you for decades. Every professional in the world of drug and substance abuse, prevention, treatment, and recovery knew that 1979 was our worst year of regular drug use in America. With 14.1% of our population using drugs, 1979, it was nine years old. 1979 was the high water mark. It prompted this country to roll up its sleeves and get to work. Then Senator Joe Biden 
helped conceptualize a national national office of drug control policy. I can read. And a decade later, we had that office led by what is has been known ever since as the drug czar. William J. Bennett was our first. And then President George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, made a big deal of that office and his czar, President Ronald Reagan's former secretary of education. Nancy Reagan led the Just Say No initiative over the created uh, public service advertisements like This Is Your Brain on Drugs. Remember that? Which many of us remember. Schools, Hollywood, and professional athletics got in the game as well with anti-drug messaging nearly everywhere. As with most most prevention prevention messaging, it worked. By 1992, we had reduced drug use in this country by 60%. But soon after, we moved on. The Clinton administration downgraded the Office of National Drug Control Policy and treatment became more of a business, shunning prevention and other early and regular education efforts. Programs changed dropped and ceased. Political leaders moved on to other issues. Sobriety chic in Hollywood manifested into the glamorization of drug use. I just mentioned that earlier in this uh, show, heroin chic. And of course, campaigns for legality with an attendant normalization and advertising campaign for prescription drugs affecting mood disorders became the norm. Then came the opioid crisis and then the disintegration of the southern border. A perfectly inhumane storm of carelessness, profit, and lawlessness was bringing us back to the near 1979 use levels. Illegal and dangerous drug use began creeping up again, and the death toll came as well. You are not going to believe the number. If you thought the numbers regarding the solution of violent crime is amazing, wait till I read this to you. This is crazy. And the death toll came as well. When we hit our low water mark of drug use in 1992, so 30 years ago, I was a, a junior going to be a senior in college. Drug poisoning deaths amounted to just over 5,000 a year in this country. Now we have to remember back at that time, there were probably um, 220 million, 230 million people. 240 million people in the United States. In 1992, once again, I'll read that to you again. Drug poisoning deaths amounted to just over 5,000 a year in this country. You know what that number was for 2022? It's going to blow you away. It's gone from 5,000 a year to 106,000 a year. An increase of 21 times. 5,000 times 21 is 100, roughly, it's like 105,000. It's gone up 21 times in 30 years. Meanwhile, the population has only increased by maybe 30%. (laughs) This is increased by what is that? 21 is that 2100% or something? It is a huge jump. What what and what have I been saying for a few years on, on this live show and maybe it comes up on the podcast as well. We have a huge drug problem in the United States. All sorts of drugs, legals and legal illegal. 
Huge, huge, huge. This statistic shows you what I've been talking about. Drug poisoning deaths in 1992, 5,000. In 2022, 106,000. So while our country, here we go. So while our country's population grew by just under one third, I was just talking about this since 1992, drug poisoning deaths increased by 2,000%. To sense the scale, consider the Vietnam Memorial Wall in Washington. There are about 58,000 names on that wall. And it took some 16 years to amass those souls that constitute that long, dark wall. At that rate, we are now going. We are nearly doubling in death or the need for two walls every year. What that sad wall represents from over the course of 16 years. Today, rather than the nation's hair being on, the fire, on fire over this, nobody can identify the drug czar and knows if we even have one. And the public messaging effort is to normalize dangerous and illegal drug use, as public health campaigns from San Francisco to New York City are doing with signs stating such things as avoid using alone, take turns, and start small. This is not only the opposite of prevention messaging, it is encouragement. Encouragement to addiction and encouragement to death. Can anyone imagine mothers against drunk driving saying, if you're going to drink and drive, do it with friends or only have one shot or eat before you imbibe and drive. Is this how we decrease cigarette smoking in America? Is this what we say about vaping nicotine? And so it came and went without any headlines last week, but the National Survey on Drug Use and Health issued by the Department of Health and Human Services found that 14.3 of the U.S. population regularly uses illegal and dangerous drugs. We have surpassed our 1979 high water mark and reached a new high, or some might say a new low, in our achievement on public health and sobriety. And ignoring this or taking it all as blasé, it is beyond any doubt that our country's culture and set of concerns are disoriented, as we are now massively anesthetizing ourselves to death. This is no longer a problem we can't ignore or encourage. It is time, well past time, to put serious attention on this problem, as we did once before, and get back to work to reducing drug use in this country rather than ignoring it, surrendering to it, and encouraging it. Over the last three years, this entire nation focused on our fellow citizens' lungs. It is time to take their brains and their lives, especially young brains and lives, just as seriously, if not more so. A headline somewhere attention anywhere on our new high water mark of drug use in this country should be a first step. Uh, Allie, hello. Hello, Allie Morse. How are you doing? Good to see you in the, in the uh, chat tonight. Uh, long time ago, uh, co-worker. Good to see you. Thanks for joining in tonight. Uh, she says that is a huge jump. Deborah says fentanyl, Rockford. Look up the decline in the civilian labor participation rate since the 1990s. That's a big one, too. 67% at the end of the 90s, just over 60% now. Not a big percentage decline, but it's an awful lot of people. It is. So how does this all relate to disappearances? Well, as I've stated, you know, a few times, um, that what is always one of the perplexing things regarding disappearances is that the disappearance rate in the United States has remained about the same, even though Violent crime, as I was just stating before, has gone down. How do we explain that? Well, one of the explanations I've come up with <clears throat> is that 
those disappearances that used to be part of the violent crime numbers, those numbers are now being made up by all of the people who are losing their minds over drugs and disappearing or overdosing and other people are covering it up. That's why the numbers aren't going down like the violent crime numbers have gone down. They're staying the same because the percentage of what disappearances are have changed. It might have been back in 1980 that 85% of disappearances were murders. We now at Unfound think that's more like 62%, but the the total number is the same way. Is that that difference between 85% and 62% is now being taken up by drug issues. People losing their minds and running off into the woods, just outright overdoses and things being covered up by other people. This is one reason that I am not for drug legalization. That's just permission. I think it's crazy. You know, we can say, well, look at Amsterdam and all these places. You would not want to live there. I've never been there, but I know people who have been there like you don't want to live there with that stuff going on. And likewise, we have places in the United States who are experiencing that stuff too. You wouldn't be want to be around that area either. You know, it all sounds good until, you know, it's right across the street from you. I think when people start thinking about, well, yeah, we need to legalize it. Okay, fine. We'll just put all of the trap houses and everything else right on the same block as your house, and we'll see how you like it. But, oh, you don't want us to do that. I thought you were for drug legalization. <laughs> it's, you know, it's always somebody else's problem until it's right next to you. And then you're like, well, what the heck happened? Big problem. I, I am very proud to say that none of this has ever been attractive to me, attractive to me at any time in my life. I've always thought that all these people are crazy. And they're killing themselves. And this goes for marijuana and everything else. And I've lived long enough here in Florida to see it. People, when I moved here, I knew who I knew were smoking weed and everything. And now 10 years later, they are different people. They're not necessarily bad people, but you can see the change. It's very sad. It's very sad. And it's just, it's just disgusting. It's just, I just don't know what it's, it's shocking. The numbers are shocking. The numbers regarding the, the lack of closure rate or clearance rate on murders is shocking. I think these drug numbers going from 5,000 drug deaths in 1992 to 106 in 2022 is way more shocking. Like it says in there, increase of 2,000%. It's crazy. It's just. It is something. So what's everybody saying? Um, Coffee says, I think people who murder are hiding bodies because of DNA analysis could be just, hey, bud, I'm from Oklahoma. I've been looking into a case you covered, and I'm curious as to why in the world the comments are turned off. A person can learn a lot from being able to interact with others. Uh, just um, I've turned on the comments for uh, like a month ago. I turned on the comments, I thought, for all of the videos. Um, please go back and check that one. If you let me know what disappearance are you talking about? 
and um, maybe I missed one. That's certainly possible. If you tell me what the video is, I will check it immediately after this live show is done. Yes, this fentanyl crisis is beyond the breach. I really think that that's been killed. I'm sure the person involved might be arrogant enough to enter the chat, maybe even implicate themselves. Please let the people interact. Um, Just says it's Travis Murrow. I know that disappearance well. Christy was the guest. I will check it after this live show is done tonight. Just Barker, I promise you. Rockford, thank you for letting me know. And in fact, I've been asking people, if you do run across the video where the comments are not uh, enabled to let me know, thank you for doing that. Rockford, we'll have to agree to disagree on drug legalization. The war on drugs hasn't been a beautiful thing either, but I agree with you on the absolute lunacy of the decision to hard use hard drugs. You know, the thing is, Rockford, is that, you know, um, how do I put this? You know, we have a war on murder, too. We have a war on murder that's been going on for a long time, as most countries do. I don't, you know, even in very, very violent countries that seem to be changing leadership every year, I think murder in those countries is still a law in the books. We've been losing the war on murder for centuries. Murders still happen. We've thrown billions and billions and billions of dollars at murder, but murders still happen, but the laws are still in the books. Why? Why? We're losing that war. We haven't been able to win it for centuries. Billions, if not trillions of dollars over the course of the world have been thrown. It's trying to stop murders through DNA, murder, you know, homicide units, uh, parking lights, locks on doors, all these other things. You add it all up, it probably goes into the trillions of dollars and people get, you know, are getting murdered. I guess we should stop trying to stop murder too. You know, you, you know, there's a bigger issue though. You know, the reason, um, you know, the reason though, that we keep doing it, it's more than just numbers. It's more than just money. There is like a moral principle behind it too. It's just not all economic. Um, I'm going to respect your policy on keeping things non-political, but locking up a murder is far different from imprisoning people for personal decisions, civil asset forfeitures, et cetera. Then I guess the number is going to keep going up, Rockford. And everybody just happens to be happy with it. The willingness to try hard drugs is much greater today than it was in the 70s and 80s. Living on the edge in the 1980s was smoking weed. Living on the edge today is meth and cocaine. Just Barker, thank you so much. I was just listening, and you mentioned Scott a few times as well, and I wonder if you had an interview with Scott as well. I'm from Elva, and I'm distant relation to the Murrows. Okay, Just, thank you. Then I guess we just have to be comfortable with the numbers. I don't do drugs. You know, uh, you know I think I don't have any kids, so I don't have to ever worry about that. But I think that, I think this, I think people you know, lean toward a laissez-faire attitude in the United States until it happens to them. And then they want justice. Then it's like, well, where are the police? Why wasn't this person thrown in jail? Why was this? Why was that? Moving on. I, t- I said in the, uh, in, on YouTube that I was going to talk about this. Uh, I got to talk about it. Carol Baskin is back in the news and allow me to read this article. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, Carol Baskin claims, her husband isn't dead at all. 
The Tiger King star declared that her missing ex-husband, Don Lewis, was found alive in Costa Rica. The discovery is now just going viral over a year later. During a resurfaced November 2020 interview with ITV's This Morning, talk show Baskin 61 alleged that her ex, who was declared legally dead in 2002 after disappearing a few years before, was actually alive and well. However, not everyone is buying it. Baskin herself told The Post she was unaware of the alleged revelation until the sequel series was broadcast in November 2021. I was not aware of it until TK2 aired. Baskin told The Post via email as much confusion and online debate ignited on social media. The animal rights activist alleged in the resurfaced ITV footage that the Department of Homeland Security has been in touch with her former spouse. One of the really exciting things that I came out of Tiger King 2 is that they produced a letter from Homeland Security, and it says that a special agent in charge of the FBI at, home, at Homeland Security reached out to the sheriff's detective, George Jorge Fernandez, which means this had to have happened after 2002 because Homeland Security wasn't even around until 2002, Baskin told the outlet at the time. They said my husband, Don Lewis, is alive and well in Costa Rica. And yet all this drama has been made about me having something to do with his disappearance when Homeland Security has known where he is. Lewis disappeared in 1997 at the age of 59 and would be 84 if he's still alive today. The Post has reached out to Baskin, the Department of Homeland Security, and the FBI for further comment. Meanwhile, Florida's Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, which is Tampa, partially shot down Baskin's newly vital remarks when reacted, when reached for confirmation. We have not received any communication from our federal partners that confirms location of missing person, Mr. Don Lewis. Fentress Fountain, yes, that's a real name, public information officer for the sheriff's office told the Post. The investigation into Don Lewis's disappearance remains a priority for the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, as do all missing persons cases. Lewis had not only made public statements debunking rumors that he had died, I don't know how it is that Homeland Security says he's alive and well in Costa Rica, but I'm glad to hear it, Baskin told ITV. I didn't think he was capable of supporting himself. He took about a million dollars down to Costa Rica. I had agreed to let him do that so he could prove to himself that he could make a living. In November 2021, Baskin and her current husband, Howard, penned a blog on her Big Cat's Rescue website questioning why DHS released his alleged whereabouts to Netflix for his season two, which she did not participate in. Also noteworthy is the document they displayed from Homeland Security, which was not formed as an agency. Okay, I got that. Uh, The Post has reached out to Netflix for comment. Baskin's Big Cat Rescue blog contained screenshots of the alleged DHH documents from the second season of the series and addressed unfair and verified fan theories and claims that she had killed him. And for everyone who still wants to believe that Carol killed Don, then please explain to us why you think armchair detectives or you are better informed then the special agent in charge at the FBI and the Homeland Security document, which says Don Lewis is currently alive and well in Costa Rica. This was reported to Jorge Fernandez of the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office by the SAC at the FBI, according to this letter. While they have purposely redacted the SAC's name and date, we do know there wasn't a Homeland Security until November 2002, which was five years after Don Lewis left his home in Tampa. Um... After Baskin shared her story in the series that chronicled the trials and tribulations of incarcerated big cat keeper Joseph Maldonado Passage, also known as Joe Exotic the Tiger King, many people thought that Baskin had something to do with her ex's disappearance. Some even launched into some outlandish conspiracy theories, including an unfounded claim 
that she was involved in the murder for hire plot. Uh, Baskin was so traumatized by all of it that she joined a secret support group for celebrities going through similar things. Are there celebrities going through similar things? Meanwhile, the attorney for Baskin's arch nemesis exotic shut down the new claims Wednesday in a statement during the filming of Tiger King detailed efforts were made to find Don Lewis. They all failed. He is not alive. The 2021 report by Carol Baskin was further unsupported allegation. It's being republished as if it were veracity. It doesn't. The story of the Tiger King is filled with lies set up in misdirection. We still await a hearing for Joe's freedom. The lies and setups are spilled out in this motion for new trial. Read it. The work is done. Uh, Lewis's family also thought that Baskin would have, was involved in his disappearance, even paying for a TV spot during 2020 de- debut of Dancing with the Stars, her, de- her debut, asking the public for answers and tips. Do you know who did this or is Carol Baskin or if Carol Baskin was involved, exotic lawyer Phillips said during the commercial. Uh, let's see what everybody says. Um, um, when it comes, oh, Jasper, thank you so much. I was just listening, and you mentioned Scott a few times. Rockford says, never done a drug in my life, but a user's decision is none of my business. When it crosses the line and disturbing someone else's, that's a different story. But it always does, Rockford. Rockford are here, but not about baseball. Rockford, thank you. Angels fan here. Love it. The real Rockford Oats. It usually does disturb other people, though. So, so much goes on in my quaint-looking country town because of the drug problem. I have been personally targeted myself. And Moan is laughing at the Tiger King story. You know, I did not, I've not watched any of the Tiger King stuff. It's just, um, it's certainly a disappearance. Uh, given that it is the general area of where I live, uh, Hillsborough County is Tampa. I'm Pinellas County. Um, you know where this? I know exactly where that airport is. In fact, I'm sure I've driven by it a few times. Where his plane, you know, or where his car was, and everything. Um, you know, I'd certainly like the opportunity to look into his disappearance sometime. Uh, the issue is, can you do it, you know, with all all this sensationalism and, and everything else? Uh, I've never, uh, myself, nor any of my assistants, I, I, at least I don't think so, have ever tried to reach out to anybody in Don Lewis's family, anybody who can be trusted, by the way. And that's one of the issues. I really don't know uh, who can be trusted in all of this. Uh, I've read stuff on WebSleuths. I've read uh, Don Lewis's page on the charlieproject.com. You know, I will just what I know from there. And like I said, I've not watched that show and I could probably say, you know, that probably watching it is only going to dumb me down. It's not going to smarten me up the way I look at such things. But it seems to me, I mean, Carol Baskin, it seems could make a very good um, culprit in all this. Uh, but not to be sexist, uh, I'm really not trying to be that way, but when it comes to women causing the disappearances of men, I usually think that, yeah, I can certainly believe that a woman came up with the idea, but, you know, did she go through all of it? Did she kill him and then drag his body over somewhere and dig a hole and cut him up and all these things? It's physically, I guess, possible. And I'm not saying that's never happened, 
but it certainly is in a very, 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 very small minority of disappearances or murders. We just have to remember that. Carol Baskin, I guess, physically, certainly being it was 25 years ago, we were all younger then. Maybe she had the strength and the ability and all those things to do this. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm underestimating her. What I'm saying is just from a general point of view, not even getting into all the crazy stuff regarding this, that a woman goes about this, you know, it's just so rare. It is so, so rare. Whereas it's not rare the women, that a woman comes up with an idea and then she and others carry it out. And so if we're going to think that Carol Baskin had something to do with Dawn's disappearance, then we have to start thinking about, well, are, who, are the, who is the man or men or maybe a group of women um, who did this? Now, all of you certainly maybe know more about all of this than I do. Maybe some names come to mind right away. But that's the way, just off the top of my head, I look at this. And, you know, we even have an example of this in Unfound's own catalog of disappearances being Tyler North. In that, surely it was not his ex-wife's boyfriend who wanted Tyler gone. It was his ex-wife. And she enlisted her boyfriend, and the two of them got together to kill Tyler. And they're going to probably be going on trial this year. She did not do this herself. She did not. She was not in the park by herself. She did not shoot him herself. She did not put him in, in a vehicle by herself and take his remains off somewhere where they eventually found and then came back and then drove his truck somewhere else a little on fire and all that all by herself. We now know that. I mean, you're still it was still waiting to, for it to be proven, but there's a reason that her her boyfriend has been charged too. And there's another guy that's, that was charged last year as well. So when I think about Don Lewis going missing, this is more what I envision. I just don't know who that other guy or other people would be. Maybe some of you do know that. Um, the other problem, I think, just reading it, just from as objective point of view, just trying to put all the Tiger King stuff out of my mind, is that... It doesn't seem to me like Don Lewis is like the nicest of guys either. And so, you know, and if he had some money and had some shady business dealings and everything else, then I think we have to, um, you know, think about that as well. Certainly somebody, by putting his car at the airport, if this was staged and is going back to the Colonial Parkway disappearances, um, certainly when cars are put like that, we usually most of the time think that the car was put there by somebody who is not the owner, but certainly somebody was trying to make it look like Don showed up at that airport and took off with somebody Two parts unknown. Now, to my knowledge, none of, you know, he had, I guess, more than one plane. None of his planes are missing, I guess that would be probably easy to find out, but it's not like he took off. And maybe crash somewhere because then a plane would be missing too. I've not read anything like that. So either, you know, if he did drive to this airport himself, he got in a plane with somebody and maybe did go to Costa Rica. I don't know. But most of the time when things are like this, we think that the car is staged. So I'm perfectly willing to believe that Don Lewis was murdered. 
And I know, uh, you know, Sharice saying certainly uh, Carol killed him. I'd certainly like to, um, you know, hear more about who the other men were in her life at the time. Like I said, I've not followed this as well as some of you. I'm sure maybe you can name two or three people, you know, off the top of your head who have, could have assisted or maybe her new husband did. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even know when they got married. I don't even know if they knew each other at the time. I have no idea. But new husbands always make, you know, a good possibility, I guess. So, um, but maybe we'll have a chance to do that. Um, you know, do I need to put it on my list of things to do to try to reach out to somebody in Dawn's family who can be believed? You know, can we cover this disappearance in a way that avoids all of the sensationalism that's existed on this over like the last three or four years of the Tiger King and all that stuff, which, like I said, to me, only dumbs the public down. Maybe we'll give it a shot. And then maybe I'll be able to talk a little more educated about it, but not knowing any of the players, not knowing any of the names, not, you know, just pretending I don't know about the TV show and everything else. Um, if I'm going to believe that, that someone named Carol did it, then probably going to have to think about who were some accomplices. All right. Uh, we got five minutes left. Let's move on to this Friday's disappearance. This is going to be the disappearance of Matthew Braswell. B-R-A-S-W-E-L-L. It's a very recent disappearance. And in fact, um, the next couple disappearances that you are going to hear on Founded Baby, even the next three weeks, are going to be very, very recent ones. That is not by plan. That's just how it all worked out. But Matthew Braswell went missing from Smithville, Tennessee on December 17th, 2021. So just a little over a year, a year and a month ago. And his sister, Amy, is the guest. She did a fantastic job. Not a long interview, according to Unfound Standards. I think the interview ends up being like 65 to 70 minutes long. You know, that's like on the shorter end. But uh, really, there wasn't a ton uh, to talk about. And dare I say it, Amy uh, is very succinct. Uh, she's one of those guests, when you ask her a question, she answers it right away. She doesn't beat around the bush. She gets right to it, which of course is going to be, then make for a shorter, uh, you know, shorter interview time. Although I don't mind, you know, maybe a once in a while, a guest going off on a tangent or, or two, you never know where you're going to end up. But you just, even though the the interviews are all outlined beforehand. Still, you just never know when it's going to go. But the circumstances that Matthew, uh, like many we've covered on Unfound, and being that just talking about drug issues, he had some. And he was with this guy named, named Antonio, who he hadn't known very long. And they were out in Antonio's SUV. And what they were doing is they were going um, through mailboxes looking for checks that were being mailed out. So going post box, you know, mailbox to mailbox. And what they would do is they would get the checks, copy them and try to make their own checks and then try to cash them. And Matthew had been caught doing this before and did some jail time for it. Here he was doing this again. Well, what happened was they got caught. Somebody was out in the yard, saw them. It was a rainy day. Uh, they tried to flee in the truck Antonio lost control of his vehicle and crashed. 
The two got out running, but Antonio's injuries were so severe that he collapsed like no more than like, uh, like a football field away from the vehicle. He collapsed. I think he had a collapsed lung, broken ribs, in, 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 some injuries. And the reason is because the vehicle, when it hit into these trees, it hit on the driver's side. <clears throat> Whereas Matthew jumps out of the passenger side. What Antonio says, and I, I think he's telling the truth, is that Antonio came over to him after he collapsed and, uh, you know, Ant- Matthew saw Antonio couldn't run any further. So Matthew just decided to take off uh, as well, but he was never seen again. Later searches discovered a jacket that is believed to be Matthew's and it did have some blood on it, although it is unclear how much blood was on this. You know, I don't know. And even Amy is not sure she's not seen a picture of it, but the searchers or the police seem to be pretty sure that it is Matthew's uh, blood. Now, the confusing thing about this, and maybe this kind of goes along with like the disappearance of Jason Landry, is this was in an area though, that has some woods. It's mostly wide open spaces. But Matthew, uh, a year and a month later, is still missing. So he ran off, but he was never seen again. However, there are some issues regarding, could be issues regarding his girlfriend at the time, Kim. And how exactly did she end up with his phone if she was not with him when all of this happened? That's a big question mark. And you're going to hear some other things as well during my interview with Amy. So once again, Matthew Braswell, Smithville, Tennessee, December 17th, 2021. The guest is Matthew's sister, Amy. And that's all I got for tonight, January 23rd, 2023 for the live show. A lot of stuff packed into the show as always. And there are a couple things that I didn't even get to, but that's okay. So that is it. Good discussion tonight. Um, Rockford says the, the real, I respect your view. The real, sorry to hear that happened to you. Stay safe out there. Deborah's leaving. Uh, stay safe. Sheree uh, says, great discussion. Love hearing everyone's thoughts. Keep your head on a swivel. Good night, Moana. Jasmine, have a good week. Uh, see you, Charles Rockford. Great show. Thank you, Rockford. And that's all I got. Hope you all, uh, love the show tonight. If you did, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please give this show a thumbs up, a five star, whatever it is. Good night.